Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes, a 40-year Wall Street analyst that's had to take on a secret identity and go underground in order to provide you a couple of candid names here on the show each week. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air. So we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week, it's the 316th episode, September 30th, 2020, and this is the birthday edition. But before that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show's for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, Mo and I are professional money managers during the week. We do a lot of careful analysis, 10-year forecasts, talk to management teams, etc. Here, we've been very careful to do absolutely none of that. Third, we do not have your interests in mind. We only have our own greedy interests in mind. And fourth, I've been heavily drinking. See all our caveats, disclosures, pictures our moms took at www.thevalueguys.com. Okay, well, welcome to the show. I'm sad to report that Mo is again off the grid I texted him, and he's not even getting back to me. And so, again, we're doing the show, just leaving me to my own devices. Here's what we have up for you today. We've got a stock market update, because this is a stock market show. Secondly, we have, uh, I went to look for some Wall Street news. I didn't really see anything. A couple things, I guess. And then I've got a little bit of economics that I think you'll find pretty interesting in terms of what's been going on with COVID. And then three pretty medium stock ideas this week that came off my birthday screen. There's a very special birthday today, and the show is celebrating that. I went to look for stocks. Normally, we're doing a screen based on valuation or something. But years ago, longtime listeners may recall, this show was at one time the Value Line Observer 15 years ago, and we would get the Value Line. They would have some um, industries in there, and, and, you know, Vern Value and I would go through them and pick the best from those industries rather than always trying to just find, you know, some names that look cheap from screens and such. But then Value Line sued us, so, and, you know, I have a rant about that in some old show. But in any case, the screen today, I was feeling... Um, a little optimistic about what's coming. Um, I've got this birthday. And so the question is, which stocks would you own that make a birthday present? And so that's coming up a little later in the show. You can fast forward to that. I'll walk through some of them. But I basically came up with uh, three kind of interesting names. One, Turtle Beach, which makes headsets, head audio equipment for uh, gamers. And then Hamilton Beach, which makes appliances and benefiting from trends in the home. And then at that point, I wanted to find a third stock with the word beach, but I didn't see one. So instead, I have a really obscure name for uh, devotees of Ben Graham called Emerson Radio, ticker MSN. Um, And so we'll get to that stuff in the back half of the show. But first up, stock market update. Okay, so what's going on? End of the month today, end of the quarter, I should say. Two best back-to-back quarters for the NASDAQ since the year 2000. 
up 40, I think I wrote it down here, 44% or something, 45% over the last six months. The Dow and the S&P are both up double digits, I think in the mid-teens or 20s in, in the last two quarters. And uh, it's been generally a very strong period, obviously. When I look at the big picture here, uh, one of the things I like to look at, and I recommend this, is there's a site called FinViz. And I used to think it was FinWiz, because it's got wizard-like capabilities. But no, it's Viz as in visual. And so right now, again, doing as little work as possible, I go here, I click on the... S&P 500 and then look at the last week since the last show and I've uh, got a lot of big names here Microsoft up nearly five Apple up eight Facebook up five Amazon up five uh, United Healthcare up seven so very positive week it's always hard to know exactly why the market goes up but when the you know reporter calls you and you're forced to give an answer uh, what mine would be is simply that more states are opening up and, uh, and, and you know, there are cases because people get cases, but the death rates are simply staying in a, in a position where I think the market's having confidence that we will continue to open up and things will get back to normal here. Uh, when I look at the year-to-date performance on the S&P, oh my gosh, I mean, Apple's up 58, Amazon 70, Facebook 27. I've said this in past shows, even Walmart's up 18, um, Microsoft up 33, PayPal up 82. Those are the biggest ones on the screen. And again, FinViz makes this very easy to see, so very little work. The thing about all the names I just mentioned is they've all just gained a lot of market share you know, of the economy, obviously computers, internet are gaining share from doing things outside, commuting, etc. So this is really a nice little site in terms of year-to-date. In terms of the big picture, they have a button for exchange-traded year-to-date, and you can go in here and see what the heck is going on in terms of some of the big winners Again, stock market show, right? You're getting some great information here. The biggest names I'm seeing are, of course, we've talked about this in past shows, the ETF XLK. It's a spider technology select up 27. Um, SOXX semiconductor up 21. VGT technology Vanguard up 27. What else do we have going on here? Large cap growth is not doing too badly. Let's see. The Vanguard growth, large cap growth up 25 year to date. The Russell 1000 growth up 24. Uh, I guess some of the pundits are starting to think value is apt to begin to do better. I just read that today. I'll tell you something. In this little chart here, it's not the case. The IWD, which is the iShares Russell 1000 value ETF, down 13 year-to-date. Value's been terrible year-to-date. I, again, we've talked about this. It's this. The gap between value and growth has really never been bigger, and it's terrible. Um, there's speculation as to why that is. You know, lower interest rates, declining interest rates help growth, for sure. Uh, financials that are largely 
you know, valued on the basis of liquid book are apt to be in value. Uh, indices and, re, you know, declining interest rates hurts their profits. So it's a kind of a double whammy. So, uh, but maybe that period's over. Who knows? You know, I don't. I'm a small cap value manager, but we just keep, we take value. We don't try to guess if value's doing better or not. One of the reasons I started doing small cap value as a young analyst was simply that if you want to be a great analyst and have your work matter, you want to do it in places where there's not a lot of competition and where your your analysis has value. And that always struck me as the small, uncovered names because the fewer analysts there were, the more important your stuff would be, even if you had no idea what you were doing, which at the beginning, of course, <clears throat> and was true, and, and even now sometimes, certainly on this show, you have no idea. Let's see, what else is going up? Well, gold miners are having a pretty good year. GDXJ is an ETF, the Vanek Junior Gold Miner, Junior Gold Miner, Precious Metals. Anyway, okay, so there you have it. There's some stock market news. Two great quarters coming off the biggest decline in um, in history, rapid, most rapid decline, quickest to down 25, something like that, and quickest back out, too, both of those. So there you have it, stock market news. Uh, Wall Street news. Well, the only thing I'd want to mention is guys at the Fed seem to be complaining that they want more stimulus. And I just took a look. You know, GDP was reported, the third revision today. It's September 30th. It's my birthday show. And... The Fed people want more stimulus. Well, at the same time, I just looked at this GDP report, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. It's available at FRED. Might as well start talking about it now. This is the, uh, we're going to walk through national economic trends here. But the one I really want to walk through is GDP. Let me find this thing here. Um, now, GDP is one number but when you drill in and if you go to fred federal reserve economics department i think and it's the federal reserve of st louis they have a wonderful database of information and um, this is called um this report i just encourage you to go get it right now we'll walk through it it's from the bureau of economic analysis bea and it's called news release today september 30th Gross domestic product, third estimate. They keep trying to improve it, make it better. They get more data from more companies that finally gets there. You know, I, I guess the mail is perfect, according to who, you know, who knows, but these, um, these estimates keep coming in. So the big picture on GDP is there's been three estimates, and they're all terrible, uh, this one just came in at down 31.4. Ouch. Now, bear in mind, they like to scare everyone. That's an annualized number, so it's not really, uh, we're not really down 31%. If one quarter is down 31, then the year would be down you know, whatever that is, cut in half, seven and a half, eight percent, something like that. Now we're going to have another down one, but it, it's not the years down, it's the quarter. Now the good news is, uh, and there is some, is that last quarter, okay, so this one, the third estimate, down 31.4% annualized. 
last the last estimate, which I think was, I don't know, a month ago. I can't tell you when they my last estimate did this. Let's see. There's probably some dates in here, but I, it might be monthly. They keep trying to reestimate it, so they have a, a July, August, September estimate. Yeah, monthly. So a month ago, their estimate was down 31.7. And two months ago, the estimate was down 32.9. So the estimate keeps improving, saying things are not as bad as we thought. They're bad. They were bad. Not as bad as we thought. And then when you, so go Google that, Bureau of Economic Analysis, Gross Domestic Product. And it's 28 pages long. So again, if this is boring, skip ahead. I have stock ideas later in the show. But the reason this is interesting is, at least to me and other, you know, economic geeks that like to do this sort of thing, in Table 1, they start to break this down, GDP, between personal consumption, durable goods, services, things like that. And what I want to point out is I'm just going to walk through this a little bit. I think it's, I find it interesting. So GDP down, and these are annualized rates, down 31.4%. Okay. Well, of that, personal consumption expenditures, what we all buy in our homes, in our personal lives, down 24%. <clears throat> so we weren't, weren't spending money on stuff. So what weren't we spending money on? Well, uh, goods was only down 2%. So we didn't stop spending money on goods, even though you may think you did. This report says we didn't. Services, down 22%. And... Uh, and of that, again, this was surprising to me. The biggest single one is healthcare, down 7.6% annualized. It's the biggest decline among all the services that are declining. And that's strange because it's a pandemic. You would think that the healthcare expenses, the hospitals are overflowing, but they were down the most. Then transportation services, and you'd think nobody's going anywhere, down only 3% annualized. This is the second quarter, so, you know, it's going to be maybe worse in the third quarter, but April, May, June were all bad. Transportation services, down only 2.8. Recreational services, I'm not sure what that is all sporting events, I'm sure, of all kinds, perhaps, down 4.5%. Again, that doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Food service, down 5 And when I say these numbers, they're the component of the total. They add to the total. So um, I'm just a little surprised at some of these numbers. And then in terms of um, other interesting numbers here, I guess... Imports were up 10%, exports down 10%. So as we put tariffs on things, people did, in fact, stop buying them. It seemed to work pretty well. And we started importing more stuff, which I'm not sure is what you wanted, but that's how it went. And then there's a few other numbers here. Um, in terms of uh, specific purchases, um, 
motor vehicles in the second quarter were up a little bit, not much, 1%. Recreational goods are off the charts, up 54%. This is Q2 versus Q1. So, and we've talked about some of the leisure companies that, you know, that make good investments uh, for Winnebago, Mastercraft, things like that. Clothing and footwear down 58% in the second quarter versus the first. Gasoline and other energy down 80. Oh my God. That can only be because uh, airlines are a giant piece of that. And of course, people also stopped commuting. But I got to think that that's, uh, that's an amazing uh, decline. Um, let's see, what else What else can I tell you here? Anyway, uh, this is all in Fred, and if you want to dig into it, it just came out today. gives you a sense of some of the things that are going on. Um, you know, in terms of fixed investment, you know, R&D is down. Transportation equipment is down 100% in terms of new investment. Information processing up 31% in the quarter. It's a big number. And so we see some of these changes. I think this is the place to find them. So anyway, walking through national economic trends this week was just offering up a little bit of detail around um, GDP and some of these year-over-year changes. We still don't have any, you know, good, real data on, um, you know, things getting actually better. Just the decline has, has stopped. And uh, the only news I saw was really in, um, in Japan where the manufacturing index started to turn higher and was, I believe, a bit higher than it was pre-COVID. And, uh, and so <clears throat> maybe that's a green shoot of some kind for, uh, for the rest of us as it works its way around the world from Asia around toward the United States. Um, I think that this uh, disease has sort of come around the world the same way the day comes around. You know, it, it starts in the middle of the Pacific, works its way west, and then California last. So maybe that's what we'll see. Anyway, there you have it. A couple of things going on here. We had a stock market update, no Wall Street news, and economic, a few economic trends. So let me take a break right now, and then we'll be back with the meat of the show, three medium ideas based on which companies could sell you a birthday present. And we'll be right back after this. We're back from that break. Hope it was a good one. 
Let's see. Uh, you know, in trying to come up with some ideas during these odd times, and I mentioned that we used to do, you know, review different industries and such. So I was thinking about uh, a friend of mine and their birthday, and then it occurred to me, why don't we look and see which companies might be able to provide you a birthday present? So it's silly, but what the heck. Again, Mo's not here to keep me in check. So what did I come up with? Well, there's a bunch of electronics stuff in here. There's a bunch of uh, vacation stuff, amusement parks. Uh, what else do we have? I've got uh, some glassware, appliances, you know, variety of different things. Um, and so it, it, it was just me looking through different industries where I would want a present from there. Again, you know, what have you. So... And I would say part of the thesis there, being more, more, a little more serious, is just that if you keep running the same screen, you're going to run into problems. You know, they just they just stop working. There's risk in relying on the same model. Uh, so um, I mix it up all the time. You just never know what you're going to find. And I run these things daily, weekly. You just, it's just, uh, it's like throwing. You know, sand up in the air to see which way the wind's blowing. It's just, it's free, and you might find nothing. You usually do. But sometimes you find your little nuggets. So I did, in fact, this week find one. Again, I never heard of, so I, that's fun for me. And it might be my favorite. I don't know. I'll figure that out here. But I did, uh, I did a little more work than usual this week in part because um, there were some very interesting names, and I actually do need to get a present, so I was looking, you know, see what these people make. But first up, again, you don't need to hear all this. First up, and I went through a bunch of these. Let me name you have uh, Herman Miller makes furniture. Lifetime Brands is, uh, you know, some kind of, what the heck is that? kitchenware you know who wants that for that's not even a good present so I don't know if I did a good one on that one but uh, GameStop costs some Cusco okay uh, Libby glassware Alpha Peak Leisure some very small companies came through here as well but I did go through I picked three so let's just get right to that first up Turtle Beach ticker H-E-A-R. Okay. Turtle Beach is uh, a company that makes, I guess, the best audio headsets for gamers. The Xbox, the PlayStation, Nintendo, and it's been that way for a long time. They did sort of a reverse merger back in 2014. They were private and merged with a smaller public company, and that's how they became public, but they've been dominating this niche for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I'm not the first one to this name, although I will say back in 2014, the stock was in the 30s, 50s, 60s, got down to 50 cents in 2018, and even earlier this year was at five. So I'm not, you know, we're not the first ones thinking of this, 
And I didn't do a valuation screen, it was an industry screen, so here's a headset company. But the reason I like it is that, and I've talked about this on past shows, we have gone through a permanent shift to more people um, not traveling, particularly business people, not going on planes, trains, hotels, etc. Companies are saving millions of dollars. Each executive might be spending you know, thousands a week on airplanes and hotels, etc. So all these same executives, when they want to get some kind of fancy headset so they can be on their Zoom calls, the answer is yes. You know, oh, you didn't spend $1,000 this week? You want to spend $300 once on some headphones? The answer is yes. So one argument these guys are making is that these headsets are surging uh, into uh, demand with, you know, more business people and more professional use just in conducting business. And that makes sense to me. Also, kids at home, Zoom calls, school, I just, you know, we're going to be a more connected, more internet connected world. People are going to be spending more time with headsets. And I think that that just seems like an obvious trend, just like the trend toward more gaming that we've talked about. You know, it's not super cheap. It's up 6% today. But it's, um, you know, it's not too expensive still. I would say it looks, let me see, I'm trying to find this multiple. You know, it's 10 times enterprise value to EBITDA. That's a 10% cash on cash return. What's wrong with that? Their most recent earnings were up a lot. I don't even want to say 300% because there was some margin expansion. But their year-over-year revenues were up, I think, 40% in the most recent quarter. And year-over-year game box, uh, or I should say video game sales, were up something like 30%. So they're, they're clearly gaining share. We're going to have this whole new generation of Xbox and Playstations and things. And uh, that may spur some additional purchases of these very high-end headsets. They, um, you know, their capex to revenue is pretty small, so it tells me that their edge in the headset market must be largely branding, because otherwise they would be spending a bit more on R&D to protect their. Uh, their business. They're spending $7 million. I mean, maybe you don't need to spend any more than that to keep your headset business great. But on $200 million, $230 million in the last uh, year, they spent $8 million on R&D, so that's 3 4%. Maybe, you know, maybe that's all you need. And they, uh, you know, they've had their ups and downs on operating income, and that's because their sales you know, have been moving around a bit. And I, again, I've done almost no work on this. From 16 to 17, sales are down. Not sure why. Could be just there's periods in between the introduction of some of the platforms that drive purchase or the big games. There's undoubtedly some some cyclicality to this. But as I mentioned last week, you know, Microsoft just stepped up and bought, paid, I think, $7 billion for one of the larger game distributors, and I've just mentioned all the internet-related stocks are up a lot because of the added 
share of the economy they're all getting. So Turtle Beach is the maker of high-end headsets. Just it seems like it's, I don't want to say a no-brainer, and I did come to it because it is the sort of thing I would buy somebody as a present. So, you know, a little bit non-traditional approach. The Altman Z-score is 3.4. It's very little risk of bankruptcy. They've got, uh, you know, it's a very manageable little company. they got a couple hundred employees. The stock is up a lot. That's the only rub on it. But so are earnings, and so are all the trends that are going to drive this into the future. So I'm okay with all that. Uh, the valuation at this point, surprisingly, it's really not out of whack with where it has sometimes traded in the past. Uh, it's at a seven multiple, you know, of EBITDA over the last three years. It's 10 right now. And it was at nine times in 2017. It's at 10 now. So to the extent that a 10 multiple is a 10% cash on cash return, the same as it was in 2017, the other component to total return is growth. And I have to believe the conviction around the growth from here is higher than it would have been in 2017. Again, pretty simple, but that suggests to me that there's a higher return opportunity now than then. And interest rates are lower now. So the relative return to bonds and things like that is better. Risk down. So the risk-adjusted return on this thing seems like it's really much better than it was a few years ago. So there you have it. I don't have any more than that. Uh, I'll give you a couple of news items here on it. They seem they just got an upgrade from Stiefel Nicholas. It's a new analyst to the name, so now there's two analysts. Literally, if you go to Seeking Alpha and look at the transcript to this company, uh, I believe there's you know there's so few analysts. Maybe there's more than one, but not too many. Um, so Stiefel opened up uh, coverage today. There's a bunch of news here about all the new cool, you know, headphones they're putting out, et cetera. So what have you. Turtle Beach, H-E-A-R. Okay, next up, another, you know, present idea uh, for someone. This one is Hamilton Beach, H-B-B. Now, you know, I don't know how cool it is to buy an appliance for somebody. You know, I, I am from the 50s. But um, once I, you know, looked at it, I really got more interested in the valuation, honestly, than the fact that they make appliances. But again, a nice gift. So, but what did, what did I like about it? Well, let me tell you. First, it's uh, a brand name that makes things for the kitchen. And... More people are going to be spending more time in the kitchen. And so from 30,000 feet, it seems to make sense that the companies that make kitchen appliances might be having a good period. The balance sheet's in pretty good shape, so I'm not too worried about that. The valuation is cheap. Enterprise value to EBITDA seven times. It's a 15% cash-on-cash return. Uh, market cap is 265 million enterprise is, uh, value is 305 so you can take that difference to get a sense of the leverage market cap divided by enterprise value here is 90 percent so that is very well capitalized 
It's a little bit of a dividend here. That's not why I would be interested in it. It's really the valuation and the fact that it's a brand that um, everybody knows. And there's going to be some trends now that put wind at the back for a long time. Now, one of the reasons it's cheap, as I look at it here, is that revenues have been going down. Okay, so that could be a problem. But what I think is actually happening, and I'm not reading this, I'm just surmising, is that they're an old line firm with a lot of distribution in places like department stores and Crate and Barrel and, you know, Kmart, for that matter, and Sears and things like that, Target. And those places are losing square footage, losing stores, Kohl's. So I have to think that some of this decline is just they're losing distribution. Now, again, doing a little more work than usual, I went and read the most recent quarterly transcript on this one, Hamilton Beach, because seriously, it's catching my eye here. So I'm doing a little homework, not for you, for me. I might be interested in this one myself. I don't own it now. And so um, what I saw was that in this most recent quarter, and you just heard me talk about how personal expenditures on good uh, were down a lot, goods still down 2%. Um, these guys, their business was up 5%. Now, that's not a lot, but it's bigger than down 20% or even down 2% for goods. So they're gaining share of the economy. And then their e-commerce piece was up 73%. I'm going to guess that's why the last four years have been weak, is that they didn't have a e-commerce business. Now, if their e-commerce is up 73 and their overall is only up 5, it tells you how small their e-commerce is. Um, because I suspect that their non-e-commerce was down, as it has been. So that means people are at home, they're getting their stuff on Instacart, and then now they need a, what, a blender or something, or a chopper, or a knife, automatic knife, or can open, who knows. They just ordered food that they now can't prepare, and so now they got to go on Amazon and order a Hamilton Beach item. That's all I can imagine. I'm trying to picture it, and, uh, and I can totally see how that would happen. So they also benefited, I guess, from a little bit of tariff relief, so part of their Raw materials, I'm sure, is metal, and maybe some tariffs came off. I didn't read exactly what came off, metal and steel. Uh, I do own a steel guy, and those have been moving around, so it very well could have been that. Um, in terms of this company's history, they, uh, you know, they historically do a pretty good job. You see here, I'm just going to pull up some numbers, get their margin going. And their, you know, their their sales have been under a little bit of pressure, but they've really okay. I'm looking at it here. They've been really great on expense control. So their gross margin is 25%. It was 25%, you know, three years ago. SG&A has come down, while the gross margin has come down, offsetting that. So they seem to be managing this pretty well. Their pre-tax margin, it's very volatile. Looks like it's, yeah, I mean, this is a big Christmas stock, so um, they have a good quarter. You know, they do nearly a 
a 17%, like clockwork, 17% margin in the December quarters, and then the rest of the quarters are kind of break even. But in this June, which is the one I was just quoting, I think, um, you know, they they had a, an 8% margin in, in the June quarter when usually it's very low, and that's undoubtedly because of the surge in demand. And... Uh, you know, maybe we're going to see that rolling through over the next couple of quarters. The balance sheet looking pretty good. Uh, or does it? Mm, no, not great. Let's see. Well, their uh, stated book equity is low. So their equity is $60 million and their total assets are 242 So 240 over 60 that's 4 I don't really like that as an assets to equity. But you know, the equity here is growing pretty slowly. And let me see what I can see in their share count. A feeling. Well, what seems to be happening is they're just slowly writing off their long-term assets. Their depreciation is a little higher than their replacement. And so it's just drifting lower over time. And, um, and so they have this fairly large assets to equity. But... The company is, again, when you look at um, debt to EBITDA um, or fixed charge coverage, actually this company is in, in very good shape. And, and that's the problem with book value these days. Accountants, they just they write stuff off because management thinks the ROI isn't high enough. And, uh, and then your book value and your equity start to you know, not be as meaningful. So that's a little bit of a negative, but it's no knock on Hamilton. And then I guess the only thing I'd say here is the return on assets isn't great, but uh, I think that's probably room for improvement. With a brand, you don't have to price like a commodity, so that should get a little better. The, um, it also might be why the management team thinks assets are overstated. They undoubtedly have some stuff in there that's not generating reasonable returns. Return on invested capital, on the other hand, is up 15%, and that might exclude things like goodwill or some other things that are in uh, total assets and not in invested capital. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking here over the last couple of years. They've done a big write-off to assets, and that undoubtedly is why, um, you know, their assets to equity is so high, because when you write off assets, you're also writing off equity so um, but other than that uh, the company looks like they're in pretty good shape EBIT to interest I just mentioned that's nine times very comfortable enterprise value to revenue 0.5 very attractive valuation here and enterprise value to EBIT 7 so do your own homework this thing looks very cheap to me and I would uh, I guess I would dig in here a little bit there's one analyst covering it. So what are the chances the market's not getting this right? Very high, I'd say, in my experience. So anyway, Hamilton Beach, ticker HBB. And I got one more. I'm getting very sleepy. I just felt I needed to get the show up. <clears throat> not only uh, because today is the birthday, I wanted to have the show be the present. But um, also... Um, you know, when Mo's not here, it's a lot of work. 
you know, he, he usually brings a lot of entertainment value. And without him here, you know, you know, I, I, how, how it's hard to have amusing banter with yourself. Mo, come on. I texted him, and he's not even around. So I think his capillaries must be chock full with pure oxygen at this point. If he doesn't win this race when he gets back here, then he's going to have some splaining to do. Anyway, um, and I'm going to hope he's back next week. Again, who knows? I don't know. Um, okay, last up. Emerson Radio. M-S-N. Why did I pick this one? Because you could give a radio to somebody. It's weird, right? Actually, I looked appliances and electronics. It's silly, but you just never know. You should, you should have a little time in your day to do kind of a silly screen. Um, and then you never know what you might find in there. It's free and fast. Just go try it. So this one was birthday, a birthday present screen. The thing I liked about Emerson is, is so unusual. You rarely even find it anymore. But this is one of those stocks that Ben Graham used to call net net. That means you take current assets, you subtract all the liabilities, and the liquid value is worth more than um, than the stock. And that's the case with with this one. The um, here, let's see here. Let me pull this up. The market cap is 14 million. The enterprise value is negative 15 million. How does that happen, you say? Well, enterprise value is market cap plus um, debt. And so here, market cap plus is 14. And I plus debt to get to minus 15. So debt is minus 30. That's my net cash. So net cash. I can buy the equity for 14 million, liquidate it, and I have 30 million in, uh, in net cash. So it's one of those things that if they just liquidated it today, you'd get double your money. Now there's always a catch, right? So here the catch is, they're not liquidating the company today, and they're losing a million dollars, roughly, somewhat less than that, per quarter. And there's 15 million extra money. So that's 15 quarters before they lose the gain that you could win. Uh, now they have been buying stock back, so to the extent they use stock, they're, they're de-diluting you. And uh, you can win that way. If you're the last share at the end, you know, the whole market cap is yours. So, but there is a little bit of a story behind the ownership here. And that's why it's just been left uh, this way. There was a time when these guys did a lot of revenue because people would license the name Emerson and put it on things. And now no one is. They have a little bit of stuff going on there. But n almost nothing. Their quarterly revenue is one million, and their enterprise value is negative fifteen million. Their market cap is fifteen million. It's just an odd little thing, and so, you know, there's three things that could happen here. One is the new owners, who evidently just got control of this thing a few quarters ago, 
and it's small, so they might just be waking up to the capitalist opportunity here, and they're about to liquidate it. That's one. Two, they don't do that, and at the point when, you know, the stock price is equal to the net net value, sell it. You're not, you don't lose anything. You can't really lose. Third, management, you know, gets excited and says, hey, why don't we re-license the Emerson name? And I think Emerson still resonates. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Um, if you're under 30 and you haven't heard of Emerson, then, then I take that back. But, um, in fact, I remember uh, telling someone I thought Chris Craft was such a great boat and they'd never heard of it and they were 30. So, again, this age 30 test could be if no one's heard of Emerson, the chances that they're going to license it go down. So if you're under 30 and you haven't heard of it, maybe you could reduce the chance of that event. But you still have the potential wise up and liquidate scenario. So there's almost no work to do here. It's net-net, so it's, it's worth twice what you pay right now, but you can't force its sale. So it's a very interesting old-school idea. You know, this is one where you can write letters to the owners. Hey, sell this thing. You know, you don't have to really be a, an engineer to offer advice to management when usually you do. But here, it's just, hey, wake up and sell this thing, and it's a double. So that's, uh, that's it. What have you? Uh, three ideas this week, um, and that was Emerson. MSN, I just say buy it. Buy a little bit of it. You have to. It's, it's, it's worth twice what it's selling at. It's like picking up a penny and having it worth two pennies, but then actually no one will take those two pennies for anything until later when maybe somebody does something for you later. So that's what we need here, something to happen. But it's a reasonable bet because everyone's going to be writing them letters. So MSN, Emerson Radio, and then... Um, Turtle Beach was one that we liked, H-E-A-R, and also Hamilton Beach, A-B-B. Or no, what? No, H-B-B. I'm sorry. If I had to pick a favorite this week, I mean, Emerson is a one-off because it, it, it's going to make you feel closer to Ben Graham. And for that reason alone, if you're a value investor or want to be a value investor, if you buy Emerson Radio, I mean, that's some real street cred in value investing right there. So you might just want to do it, get the stock certificate, frame it, put it up on your wall. And if a growth investor comes over, you can point to this to show your own bona fides in value investing. But having said that, I think my favorite this week, just because all the trends are so heavily pushing in that direction, uh, and they seem to have this brand value, would be Turtle Beach. And... It's not super cheap, but again, in, in an era where interest rates are so low, a lot of stocks look cheap that ordinarily wouldn't on a relative basis. So I like that Turtle Beach, H-E-A-R. And that's our show this week, ladies and gentlemen. You've managed to spend another hour just wasting away with uh, the value guys. I hope you got at least one or two 
little nuggets out of that. So go to iTunes, Spotify, see all our shows. We do have about 15 years of shows on iTunes on the Value Guys Stock Talk Show. And then we have a show called Stock Clips, where if you enter the dollar sign and a ticker, we've carved out some of those conversations about individual names. Not a ton, but we're working on that right now. See all our caveats, disclosures, um, pictures our moms took at www.thevalueguys.com. Also, write in. We answer email, val at thevalueguys.com. That's your most likely way to get an answer. Mo at thevalueguys.com, you know, gets into Mo's mailbox, but sometimes, you know, he's not always around. So I hope you'll write us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. So long, everybody.